I'm Henry Lin, and welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. You know, so how does you know an organization or an individual take something so complex, so overwhelming, and simplify it into their daily choices? And Sweet Farm's mission has always been around educating people on what are the issues, why are they important, and then inspiring them to take action, but also driving home the technology that makes impact inherent to people's daily lives. For the average consumer, they won't even know they're making an impact, but turns out they are. Um, so that's driving driving that kind of inherent change is core to uh, Sweet Farm's mission uh, from the technology standpoint. Max Moynian is not with us today, but here today is Nate Saulpeter of Sweet Farm. Sweet Farm is the world's first nonprofit sanctuary to address the devastating impact that factory farming has on climate change from the perspective of animals, plants, and the planet. We must first understand how these pieces are connected within our complicated food web before we can tackle climate change at its core by joining climate education, regenerative agriculture, farm animal rescue, and the sustainable technology that is disrupting agriculture and food production, Sweet Farm is redefining sanctuary. Wow. Nate, welcome to the pod, man, and thanks for changing the world. Oh, thanks for having us. I, uh, I speak on behalf of the entire uh, team and community of Sweet Farm uh, in that, uh, you know, we're really excited to be here, talk about some of these challenges, uh, you know, what we're doing about it, and, uh, you know, how how folks listening in today uh, can even possibly, you know, bring it home uh, into their own daily lives. Love that. Nate, uh, we've had Mitch Ruda, former president, current CRO of Farm Journal uh, and Trust in Food. We've talked soil. Uh, we've talked permaculture before. Do you want to start off with a little bit about what is wrong with factory farming today and contextualize the problem for some of our listeners? Absolutely. So, you know, the food system, it's extremely complicated. So to, to take a step back and, and just kind of draw a picture of how complicated it is. So professionally, on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis, I professionally work in the nuclear power industry. I, I help design next generation reactors, uh, which are giant Swiss watches the size of multiple city blocks uh, in complexity. Which is a source of clean energy, correct? It, yeah, absolutely. Uh, talk about decarbonizing at scale. But what's interesting when you start to compare like the complexity of a system like that, which is, you know, most people's minds is extremely complex and, and I don't want to oversimplify it when making this comparison, well, the food system globally is orders of magnitude more complex than a system like that, than a nuclear power plant. So obviously when we, when we talk about food and uh, growing, you know, growing food at home or, or going to the store and buying a tomato, there's sometimes there's a uh, perception that, you know, there's a, there's a little box around a plant and, the seed goes in the ground and a tomato pops off the plant and, and it is what it is. And sometimes you have to add a little fertilizer. The reality is it's, it's much more complex than that. Uh, you have everything from uh, socioeconomic issues, labor issues. Uh, you have waterway uh, kind of concerns, uh, runoff. In certain cases, you have carcinogens uh, being applied at scale 
uh, to uh, to crops that ultimately are ending up on on the you know someone's dinner plate, but like when they're applied to address say uh, fungus or or pests, you have you have these other inputs. So how do we address those challenges associated with it? How do we address uh, factory farming within the animal uh, space? Right, there's a lot of baggage associated with that. Everything from uh, the the massive amount of emissions uh, as estimated by some around 16% of global greenhouse gas emissions tied wow, to animal wow. agriculture. So how do we address that, right? There's a lot of baggage associated with that. And when people think about- And cow farting jokes. Oh, uh, of course, cow farting jokes are always, are, are always on the table. And- uh, <laughs> You know, so how does you know an organization or an individual take something so complex, so overwhelming, and simplify it into their daily choices? And Sweet Farm's mission has always been around uh, educating people on what are the issues, why are they important, and then inspiring them to take action, but also driving home the technology that makes impact inherent to people's daily lives. So if we really want to fundamentally shift uh, the way that you know, the other 95% of the planet, the way they feed themselves, right? Where people are, are you know, they don't want to necessarily think about it. They they go to the store, they buy their food, uh, you know, what is comfortable, what's, uh, you know, culturally relevant, uh, what they find delicious, right? What, what right. you know, mom and dad used to make or their parents used to make when they were kids. People want to live their life still being able to engage in these activities, these these meals that they've grown to love and and do it without having to uh, to give that up. So how can we shift the food system so people can still engage in that, but their their impact is inherent to those choices. So for the average consumer, they won't even know they're making an impact, but turns out they are. Um, so that's driving driving that kind of inherent change is core to, a sweet farms mission uh, from the technology standpoint. Do you think that factory farming is a? We know it's actually a you know a source of carbon emissions, obviously, on a number of different levels. But do you think that um, there's the ability to marry the sanctuary with factory farming um, and some of the practices that you guys have in order to reinvent that industry to be more sustainable? And I'm not just talking about things like the addition of cover crops, um, you know, stitch and all of these uh, other different solutions that become better with carbon capture in the soil. I'm, I'm wondering at what level of innovation do you guys affect change uh, towards the, the, the bigger bad guys, the bad actors in the room? Well, so, so what's interesting when you, when you think about uh, factory farms and you know, the, large, the large protein companies, we'll call them the large protein companies, uh, because these large uh, conglomerates, they are in the business of they they'll describe it as feeding the world and they are inherently a protein company not necessarily an animal agriculture company so i want to i want right. to dive into that just briefly and in, in saying that if there is a advantageous way to end up with the same result that has a simplified supply chain has uh, lower emissions uh, reduced costs reduced antibiotics uh, within uh, the system. These companies, it's not just a hypothetical about will they lean into those technologies. They already are. You're already seeing this with companies like Tyson, right, which is one of the biggest uh, producers of chicken uh, and, and you know, protein, uh, uh, you know, coming from chickens uh, at scale. 
they're le- leaning incredibly hard into things like cultivated meat, uh, right? So um, uh, meat that is coming from individual cells that are propagated. Uh, right, they are right. done uh, in this way, uh, turning one cell to two cells, four cells, eight cells, and and beyond. In under environments where uh, you don't need uh, the antibiotics at scale. So for listeners out there, I, I keep mentioning antibiotics. It's a highly relevant uh, topic. 63 to 64% of global antibiotic use is actually in right. animal agriculture. Um, so if we can move Which away from wild. that, it absolutely, it's it's mind boggling to think about the, the kind of opportunity for breeding resistance um, when you have uh, more unregulated use in these confined operations where, um, uh, you know, you do have this opportunity for breeding uh, more resilient strains of super bacterium or uh, super viral, uh, uh, super viruses. Um, so moving in that direction is, I, I think, in, in everyone's best interest, uh, including these large companies, which when you when you start to lay it out just from a, a you know, economic and business sense standpoint, it's no surprise to see companies like JBS, right, the world's largest meat producer, investing very heavily in new facilities to to uh, uh, look at you know um, myco fermentation and and advanced precision fermentation uh, approaches. So, uh, Sweet Farm uh, has been actually supporting companies not just in uh, the pro- alternative protein space, but also in ag tech to reduce uh, agrochemicals. Uh, at scale, uh, we've been appro- uh, been working with companies doing field trials for uh, eliminating the waste stream uh, while uh, uh, wow. enabling carbon sequestration. So it's a complex food web, and it's not just the individual plant. It starts with you know the plant, and then it ends with our own waste streams across the board. What it, you know, whichever way you right. want to read in that, and how do we create a cyclic uh, system where even our more waste circularity, streams, right? That's absolutely correct. Right. Yeah. So, well, let's bear in mind you're talking about a multiple number of, of of waste streams here, right? So there's there's the bad waste stream, which is the agricultural runoff, and that's from nitrogen chemicals and fertilizers and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! And then there's these reusable waste products, which you're talking about, which then become part of this circularity of this whole. Would you like to tell us a little bit about kind of the difference and where the failure is? for your, your, your agro complex, you know, food factory versus, you know, what the sanctuary, what does good circularity look like versus what are the bad guys doing now? You know, I hate, I hate framing it as like good guys and bad guys. I, I think taking a, a big tent approach is extremely helpful to, right. It's the everybody guys. Right. Yeah. We need, we need to, we need to take an approach where, you know, we all sit down and we say, look, like, we all live on this planet. Uh, we're all just to quote the title of the uh, the podcast, right? We're all trying to make a better world, and and if we all put our minds together, we can we can do this more effectively uh, in a way that has co benefits across the board. So so in terms of good circularity, Sweet Farm operates a sort of microcosm of the macrocosm. We're constantly evolving, constantly getting our hands in the soil and getting that soil under our fingernails in order to better understand uh, the systems that we're actually trying to impart change on. Uh, when you think about the world's biggest problems, biggest challenges, 
they're not being solved exclusively in an office space downtown. Uh, they're also being solved out in the field, in the environment, uh, with support systems that uh, have have deep knowledge of these challenges. That and and trying to to recognize that they are very complex. No one has all of the answers, and there also there's no silver bullet. So by working within the system, we continue to learn about it. So uh, we have lots of experience helping companies uh, doing things first of a kind field trials. Uh, helping them uh, scale, helping them uh, build out, you know, investment, you know, bring in investors for their companies, help them do their proof of concept, and and also just develop strategies for how do they roll out. It takes a lot of different uh, types of support, and each company uh, has uh, unique needs. and And it's not just about the companies; it's also about helping to educate. Uh, the other side, helping to educate the consumer and, and get them comfortable with uh, you know some of these new things that are coming out, new new applications, new approaches. Um, so it really, it, you have to address both kind of simultaneously. So uh, we try not to over silo uh, into a specific area. Uh, we remain intentionally broad, which is why Sweet Farm is described as a climate sanctuary, uh, not exclusively an animal sanctuary. Because the challenges we are we are addressing are much broader than specific to animals. They're also across other aspects of the food system as well as uh, energy and, and materials and beyond. So, where do you think uh, the the viral thing is? Where, where where is the element of change that you can bring to the industry um, as uh, as a whole? What, what is it that you guys think you're able to deliver that will help affect greater change? Well, one of one of the things that we've been really successfully able to do over the years is so since since 2016 was really when our first uh, technology partnership or, or project kind of took took form on Sweet Farm, and it really comes down to assessing uh, an application or an opportunity for for making impact and and recognizing okay is this a is this a technology or an approach that is going to move the needle in the correct direction or not? So it was the first layer of sort of diligence, if you will. Uh, and then from that, trying to assess, okay, what is the scale of impact? Who, who does this help? Uh, you know, who or, or what aspect of uh, this, this challenge set are we, are we trying to address with this? And is our time, you know, every hour in the day is is an investment. Time is an investment. Um, what is the return on uh, that specific effort? And are we going to see multiples on it? So it gets kind of into like the effectiveness of, of impact. So really when it comes to addressing uh, or, or supporting those kind of programs, it's really about being diligent, but also being lightweight enough to be able to jump in quickly, pivot to a problem, uh, provide our support, whatever in whatever form is the most effective for that company, and then see them on their way, right? Graduate them to the next level, whether it's from our our pilot fields uh, up to the university level at larger scale, or to other partner farms, or to uh, you know other. Uh, 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 Partners outside of maybe they're not in agriculture, but connecting them in with the right people to help grow uh, those. A lot of these early stage technologies, early stage 
companies, they have a very early, uh, their technology readiness level, so a TRL, uh, to, to throw some acronym soup, some letter soup out there. Sure. Um, their TRL tends to be in the level four to level five. So that's, uh, they've done lab scale tests, but have not yet uh, bridged into real world environment scale tests at, at any scale. So a lot of them are approaching it from the perspective of, hey, we need to show this works in the field so we can actually go out and raise capital uh, to to scale it, to grow the business. So we fit we fit into this um, sweet spot where we can help those companies bridge that, show their proof of concept, go out, raise the money, then go and really change the world at scale. Uh, and we've been doing, like I said, we've been doing this since uh, about 2016 across areas. And, and it's really just stay lightweight, recognize that these entrepreneurs, they need help, but they also... Uh, they don't have a team of lawyers to negotiate tech transfer agreements. They don't have uh, massive teams to to dig through all of the minutia. So instead, uh, we recognize that and and we help them get to the point where they do have those kind of resources as well. Excellent. Um, do you feel like your organization has the ability to scale? Meaning, do you feel like sanctuary farming is something that scales itself and by virtue of having more sanctuary farms, you're, you're kind of moving the needle back to the middle or you're creating more of a balance? Well, it's a, it's a good question. So there are many sanctuaries out there and, and all of them have their own unique sort of uh, perspectives, uh, skill sets, uh, approaches. And one of the things I'm really happy about is that there's really no two sanctuaries that are identical. Uh, they all bring their own unique perspective and bent to the space. Uh, now, among sanctuaries that are are growing food, uh, there are few and far between. I wish more sanctuaries uh, would grow food uh, because it is such an important piece of uh, even having a conversation around uh, the food system. Typically, there's there's a some some levels of uh, I'll, I'll call it cognitive dissonance in in the even in even in the community of folks that are you know 100% plant based um there can even be some cognitive dissonance around the impacts of those kinds of diets right like and how are they still connected to animal agriculture you know if if uh, someone is eating a fully plant based diet and it's fully organic well Let's talk about nutrient input sources. How much? How much of the uh, inputs to the crops that are producing their food are still coming from bone meal, blood meal, feather meal, fish meal, uh, manure? That's still inherently tied to to animal agriculture. So, where are the pain points? How can how can we adjust? How can we adjust how food is produced? Where can we say have offtakes of our own personal waste streams? So think humanure, right? Uh, human waste uh, coming from wastewater treatment. How could we upcycle that into an ecologically beneficial co-product that can be applied back into uh, back into the fields uh, to to reduce uh, or to increase efficacy of uh, things like uh, you know supplemental nutrient sources? So we have to use less. Those are the complexities where it, it becomes very challenging to distill the food system down into a soundbite, into a single tweet. 
those are the areas where, where we really focus our efforts on here's a complex challenge and how do we do all of that while simultaneously removing forever chemicals from uh, you know from the waste stream and and cleaning that up and so I'm I'm kind of making some dancing around uh, some references to a company right. that we did the first four years of their field trials uh, for agriculture uh, and they were doing just that they were upcycling uh, human waste from wastewater treatment uh, in in a carbon negative way they're actually producing biochar uh, from right. that self-sustaining so no gas no electricity once the once the plant is started and it also breaks down all of these forever chemicals and antibiotics and pharmaceuticals uh, in it so that at the end you have this this product biochar that uh, can be used uh, directly in applications like agriculture or even water filtration so yeah. So just to... the management of waste is something that you keep referring to consistently. So it sounds to me like you look at this like a holistic approach, like there's a true circle here. And in order to solve it, you know, globally and kind of the big scale, which is obviously the thematic juice that I'm gunning for and thirsty for always, um, you have to do it holistically, right? Like you want to get this to scale, it's got to be holistically. So it, 100%. Alluding to these um, these waste solutions, what other solutions do you have to be able to implement holistically? What does the big circle look like, right? Like, what is what is the net goal for you look like? What, what, what's the system look like when it's finished at the end? Uh, so, so growing up, I was um, I was in Boy Scouts uh, growing up, and something that was imparted in me very early on was you know, leaving no trace, uh, right. very, very simple, straightforward approach, whether you're in Boy Scouts wait, or wait, wait, that was a Boy Scout thing. I think it's a everyone thing. I, I, oh, I think I thought that was a drugs in the desert thing, but you know, goes to burning <laughs> man once, right? Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Burning man. That's true. Leave no trace. Uh, right. yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I think it is a, a fundamental goal of most people. And, and when you ask them, it's like, well, of course that, that, makes total sense. Leave no trace, leave the place better than you found it. Um, but, but then simultaneously you, you go out, you're taking a road trip back from, back from Burning Man or wherever. And, uh, you stop at the convenience store and you pick up a, a, you know, bottle of water and then throw that water bottle in the, in the trash once you're done with it. And well, what happens with it? Right. So leaving no trace, these kind of concepts shouldn't be only applied when they're convenient. Uh, or, or popular, uh, they, they need right. to be integrated all the time. And, and in order to do that, I think we have to make that inherent. So I talk about the water bottle uh, specifically because there's, there's a company out there that uh, one of our partners at um, Snowcap, which is a, a climate fund that, uh, uh, that I'm a partner at. I am familiar. Those guys do great work. It's a, a great, uh, yeah, great team, uh, really unique outlook on it. And so one of our partners, he's involved with a company called MycoCycle, uh, which is uh, they've isolated a strain, strain of fungi that can actually break down plastic. Uh, right. And it can do this at a very rapid scale. Uh, and so it For uses For those of mycelium. us who've watched, what is it, the Fantastic Fungi on Netflix? Yes, exactly. Yep. Nailed it. Yeah the 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 role of fungus in uh, the uh, circularity of of the planet uh, cannot be uh, understated. Uh, right. It cannot it cannot be overstated enough. It, it's such a 
fundamental piece. It's like the chicken, what came first, the chicken or the egg, neither the fungus. It's no, no <laughs> surprise that there are strains out there that can break down complex molecules. And so that company, uh, they are actually applying this uh, at, at scale and they're building their business and doing incredible things. And so you start thinking about like, are okay, they really, I, I didn't know that we were there already. Well, it's these are these are companies that are in their early stages, and right. and but they but, but they're scaling up to to basically do this on like a worldwide level of can we isolate all the plastic, drop the fungus in there, um, break it down, and you know get the garbage patch out of the Pacific kind of thing, right? Pre- like precisely, like what? Yeah, how do you how do you take these point sources? And, and apply them and effectively roll out a technology. Oh, well, that's it, amazing. Yeah. So very exciting stuff. And I, and I think just a couple of fun guys doing great things, huh? Oh, you know, it's, uh, there, there is a mushroom in the schedule to uh, discuss all of these topics. <laughs> oh, the dad jokes are bad. Um, Nate, oh, yeah, you're, you're really landing in all of these like wonderful different things that are adjacent to it and really driving home the message that this is circular. This is a big, big chain of things that have to happen in order to affect this. But I, I want to just shift this conversation back because I, I have asked you a number of times, like, how do you, you know, infect the bigger corporation? You know, it's, all the tent poles, everybody's included, but how do you get everybody to make a change? Why don't I ask a better question and say, what is the demographic that can create the most immediate change and, and what should they do? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, and it has, you asked me that one question and you're probably going to get like three answers here. I'm into it. Um, so there's, we take we, we take the education side of things very seriously. Um, it's educating uh, the next generation of problem solvers, so kids, you know, of all ages, uh, all the way up through uh, mentorship of of you know college students that are about to take all of those skills uh, and experiences and apply them in the real world. So, how can you inspire them to apply? Uh, all of that uh, uh, knowledge and effort in in a direction that is functionally uh, positive for the planet. So there's there's that side, but it also comes down to educating the uh, the CEOs, educating the politicians, and getting them excited and inspired and, and uh, hopeful also about about you know the opportunities. Um, and it and that's you know not a political. It's not a political thing. We're all in this together. So approaching it from the perspective of hey, like. You know, we might not agree on a whole, you know, on everything, um, but we can find this through line that could go either way. It 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 could, and but but I think um, you know there is a lot of nuance uh, in these discussions, and I and I recognize that. So it does take an element of tact of of respect for being able to sit down with someone. I'll give you give you an example of an event that we had that uh, brought together a lot of folks that you know to the sanctuary to Sweet Farm. A lot of folks that you might otherwise ask like, well why why would you have these folks that are doing things contrary to to what you believe in uh, to the table. So in 2019 uh, we had we had a, an event. Um, there were five companies that uh, we had been working with uh, in a variety of ways, helping them do their pilot projects and uh, providing other kinds of support. And uh, we brought uh, together about 40 investors uh, from from all over. And a large 
portion of them were actually from Brazil. And at the time, our agriculture field was about mm, three, three and a half acres or so. And uh, the smallest farm, so a lot of these investors actually came from big agriculture and were representing uh, farms where the smallest one was around 50,000 acres, right? And and of course, I, I when I heard that talking with one of them, I said, wow, 50,000 acres, that's, that's massive. And he starts laughing. He points at another person uh, that was in the uh, group. He said, oh, that, that person over there, uh, they have about 2 million acres, Right. That they're that they're uh, farming, so so we bring bring them together, talk to them about um, uh, these new advances, these new technologies, get them excited about them, get them invested in uh, those those solutions, and and it's about like just making a simple business case, and if nothing else, making it purely about like hey, like we personally understand like why this is good, why this is you know. Um, uh, good for the planet and and the animals and such, but like if you can take that and just frame it as this is good for your business, then almost inevitably it's it's going to it takes a totally different tone. It it brings them into the conversation where they feel uh, that you know hey like we're all on the same we are on the same team and and uh, you know what this this random person on a on a sanctuary like. You know what? They're onto something. Like this is this is good. So they're, they they're getting somewhere. Those guys, huh? Yeah, I I, I suppose so. So, I I think it, it takes a lot of different approaches. And I'm not uh, by no means am I poo pooing on on you know traditional activism or or things like that. I think there's many different approaches, and and uh, we take one where we see uh, some white space where others aren't necessarily addressing it in the same way, and and if. You know, we can collectively like spread, uh, spread our our you know fingers into these areas. We have a better chance of you know uh, hitting hitting the nail more effectively, as opposed to all double downing on a on a approach that uh, might be less effective. Is your philosophy here? This is a you know like a holistic system. I, I'm uh, I'm trying to get down to whether or not you believe. There is something that can be done by the individual consumer on like a micro level. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's as simple as do we help people know where their food comes from? You know, stop supporting Cargill because they're killing the rainforests. Uh, can you take me through what you think the individual consumer can do? Yeah. So I think for the individual, it's right now in today's system, the way it's set up, uh, it's a lot of stuff that's not going to come as a surprise to to people on the podcast. It's going to be uh, eat mostly plants, right? That's a classic. Uh, I think it's Michael Pollan, like you know, uh, uh, eat healthy, mostly plants. So leading a plant forward diet is one of the easiest, straightforward uh, ways um, that people can uh, make their own personal impact. Uh, you also get into trying to re you know the the typical things use reusable uh packaging as as much as you can uh i i have like a very skewed perception of you know the recycling system as it currently stands in terms of like what could be done different i'm i'm not a huge fan of the fact that recycling the responsibility was pushed 
to the consumer. Um, so coming from the nuclear industry, uh, the responsibility for long-lived waste uh, falls to the operators, falls to the industry itself, not to the consumers of the electricity. In the case of plastics, it is a long-lived waste stream. So um, the fact that you know that responsibility was pushed to the consumer is like a little bit uh, disappointing. But uh, as we you know already discussed, there are new things coming about to address that. The I think creating advocates is a big piece. So so if if you as a consumer are excited about uh, you know a new product or or a you know new new diet that you're on, like hey you know I feel great. I'm eating mostly plants right. and uh, I gave up these things. Share that. Share that with your friends. Share that with your family. And and I think it's important to also do it in a way that is more about um, creating a a an attractive lifestyle. Uh, choice as opposed to well uh, tribal community right sort it's of tribal it's community and it's also it's not about saying you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this instead it's about um, hey you can feel better you can uh, have more energy you can right. uh, you know do these things uh, and it's very easy as opposed to saying you can't eat this and you can't do that um, people respond a lot better to just a general like positive outlook um, so I think that's a very easy thing to you know look change the conversation and the relationship with food absolutely right absolutely nate uh thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us i think that uh in closing what i would like to do is ask you to make a plug um uh and your ask um uh, for sweet farm um i would remind the listeners that you can learn more information about the company at sweetfarm.org are there any particular actions that um, the individual can take to support Sweet Farm itself? Absolutely. So Sweet Farm is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we are uh, based here in upstate New York. Uh, we were founded in California, and uh, we are always uh, looking to expand the tent, uh, bring more people in um, who are excited about uh, having their own personal impact in the food system, and uh, certainly... Uh, we are a donor-supported organization, so we really appreciate um, any level of support. Uh, and you can always reach out to us at info at sweetfarm.org um, to uh, to you know discuss like how you can make your personal impact, small or large. Um, and some of that information is on the website as well. Last plug, uh, listeners, please go to sweetfarm.org and take a look at their technology and make sure that you sign up for the newsletter. Nate has been kind enough to share with us two technological innovations, but there are no shortage of really interesting things that are going on in ag tech, uh, and Sweet Farm is a great source for this information. Nate, thank you very, very much for joining us on the podcast today. I can't thank you enough for your insight. Um, and I look forward uh, to seeing a little bit more in uh, your newsletter. Really appreciate it, Henry. And for anyone who is listening, who's interested in learning about uh, our outlook from Snowcap's perspective, you can visit us at Snowcap, that's S-N-O-C-A-P dot V-C, uh, to learn about uh, our outlook on uh, that side uh, in the more uh, broad climate tech space. I'm Henry Lin, and this has been another episode of Better World. Please join us again to figure out how you can help make the planet a little bit better. Remember, you're empowered people. Let's go kick some ass.